Welcome to Carrots and Suffering, a D&D Odyssey. I am Nate, and I'm usually your Dungeon Master. I'm here at the beginning to do things like ask you to rate us and review us, or maybe tell a friend. iTunes is a good place to go for some of that. The other thing I do is set up for the intro. Last time on Carrots and Suffering. Sable inducted two people she just saved through fairy agreements, from their fairy agreements, and enslavement in the fairy wilds. Thus, finally starting a version of the Circle of the Moon she might be proud to own someday. I'll say, I don't know what Helen had told you about the Circle of the Moon before, but I disbanded it because I wanted everyone to have an opportunity to become a part of a circle that they wanted to be part of. As such, I'm going to start a new tradition tonight. With the team now restored to their previous neutral stance with the Fairy Queen and Sable back to ally status, old allies return to her aid. And you hear two trumpets declare... <laughs> Announcing Whistles! <laughs> and Whistles says, Shut up! Our heroes also learn that Yennefer Varathy, who is now the head of House Varathy after some legal moves, is actually a protege of the Fairy Queen, literally trading her heart and emotions away to be a better politician. Do you think Yennefer is going to try to take control of Fenrir away from Lord Mentor? If she can, yeah. Would that be better? Well, I don't... I don't know how you define better. How are you with all-powerful dictators? Without a heart. Our heroes searched the crypt below the House Mason mausoleum and discovered lots of inert vampires trapped in vampire traps and cut off their heads rather than give their blood to Guire, a weakened vampire spawn left back on the surface. I think she would have drawn Fairy Bane from the beginning knowing she was going to cut off heads. Our characters have arrived at some kind of new trap. The floor is a checker pattern of stone. Basically, it's a square room, and inside there are a bunch of little tiny square tiles that make up the floor of the room. Instead of grout or cement between the tiles, there's a little, like, half-inch around every one of them that sort of spans the whole room, and it's full of some sort of thick red liquid that seems to move a little bit. And in the middle of the room, there's a small pedestal with an orb on the top of it, and on the opposite end of the room, there is a big stone slab door that does not look like it pushes or pulls. Okay, let's get into it. From here, and I realize it might be a disadvantage, I want to investigate the nature of the trap we're looking at, because she's guessing it's a trap. Yeah, give me, give me investigate. Disadvantage is appropriate. And in the meantime, I'm suggesting that we destroy that orb in the middle of the room. Nine. Can't tell. <laughs> orb looks magic. Blood looks alive. Sofa will roll Arcana. Try to determine the same thing. Nice. It is Arcana's plus seven, so a 22. 22. The orb... You are fairly certain is a magic item. It is probably detecting whether or not you have mason blood, and then it will probably make a noise or something. Your arcana tells you that that blood is probably alive, like magically alive. Like it would possibly attack? Yeah, you're guessing animated golem ooze, something like that. Definitely a wizard did it. Definitely a blood magic wizard did it. Silpha is both 
appreciative of the type of intelligence that went into creating this and equally like horrified and describes well this is definitely them doing of a wizard well versed in blood magic i imagine that the orb detects whether someone entering this room has mason blood or not and then this blood here is actually alive i don't know if it would coalesce into some sort of flesh golem or ooze creature but it's something vile maybe we burn it then will fire work i don't know well i don't know if i'm powerful enough to dispel the magic emanating off of the orb but destroying the Uh, orb would work just as well we've crossbows it might be difficult i think the orb triggers this kind of trap i don't know if an attempt to destroy the the orb itself would trigger the same effect but if i were creating a trap that is what i would do so what do we do I could try to dispel whatever is... Nate's getting his DM grin. (laughs) There are six of us. And we are outside the room. Yep. It seems to me that whatever is on that side, we we stand a good fighting chance. Well, would it hurt for Sylpha to try to dispel the magic first? Only in that it uses up her magic. Sylpha nods in agreement. So so you want to... storm this thing. Uh, No, I I want to wake it up and make it come after us. We have a better chance here. can only come to us through this hole. Uh, Look, I even put hinges in so we can close it if we want. Sofa frowns and says, "I, I don't know if I'm powerful enough, but I will try to dispel the magic first. If that fails, we try to destroy the orb and prepare for the worst. Okay. She looks at Jessica and says, arm up. Jessica gets her crossbow out. Let's say, Helena, are you still a druid? Uh, I think so. Good. <laughs> All right, so Sylpha's gonna try first. Oh, no. <laughs> Wait, why are you hiding your face? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, I was reading. <laughs> reading our doom? You actually do not need to roll. The spell is below fourth level that you are dispelling, the orb's power turns off. You know it will not do anything. The orb will not do anything. However, the creature that you are fairly certain is this blood is still very alive. I still say we take it here where it has to cross a very small threshold rather than... So you want me to to shoot the blood? I could spray it. Oh, that's better. Why don't you do that? Is anybody telling me no? I'm looking at every face. <laughs> and and I'm, I'm sorry, just to go back a little bit, the blood is like running between these tiles. Like it's it's the grout. It is the grout. It is. So like if you wanted to hit it with something, there's like a tiny space. Poison spray would probably do it. That's what I was about to hit it with. Shooting it with an arrow would be very difficult. But yeah. Okay. Pouring poison on it's fine. All right. If nobody's stopping me, I'm just right in the door, expecting it to coalesce itself all right, con save. I rolled a natural 20. Yeah. I took no damage because it's a cantrip. Fuck! <laughs> you, so what happens is you spray poison out and there's no response. 
Sofa is going to take a portion of holy water that she's been given and try and stand far back and like toss some of the holy water across one of these tiles. You will use all of the holy water because she only give you like one dose. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, I do roll a nat 20 for half damage, but I also will take damage. So it's going to do 2d6 if you want to roll that up. Ooh, I did really good on my damage. It's half of 10, so five. Five. Okay. So it boils, and from all around the room, the blood pulls itself together into a shape that is humanoid-ish. Very amorphous, though, and seems to have two sort of bloody appendages that might be arms. Stands about six and a half feet tall, which means it really reaches the ceiling, and it lets out a screech. And at the sound of the screech, you feel like a pull inside of you towards this creature. And if you glance around at your associates, you realize everyone is bleeding from their skin. It's just oozing out of your pores. Gross. Not fun! You don't necessarily feel it yourself. Oh, God. But it seems to be affecting everyone equally. Mm. If we look down at our own skin, oh, yeah, do we see it happening? You're definitely bleeding. That is oh, gross. creepy as yeah. fuck. Uh, should we roll initiative? We need initiative, actually. Yeah, this creature yeah, is yeah. convinced you're not a mason. Jessica got an 8, and I got a 22. Dang, my dice are on fire. Good. Stop it. Well, good, good, good for Helena and, yeah. and Cass. That's Helena good. gets a 19, <laughs> Cass gets a 19, and beats Helena. What else we got? I got an 11. I got a 13. How'd Jessica do? Uh, 8. And remember, it's inside the building, or inside that, with just like a human-sized door inside this door with a hinge on it. So I could slam the door, although that would take some work. Okay, Jessica could slam the door. <laughs> Monster. We'll roll for you. You rolled a one. Oh, I rolled an eight. Dang, my luck is really running out. On the plus side, though, it's a liquid. has really great decks, so it's going to go ahead of Sable. Jalen. All right, Jalen's going to pull out both crossbows and shoot at this thing. Go ahead and do your thing. Okay. That is a 16 okay. and a 26. They both hit? So the first one does 14, 16, 21. Okay. And the second one does eight. Okay. So you shoot it, and like, it's it's sort of like shooting a puddle of water. Blood splatters, but you're maybe not have been the most effective thing you've ever seen. In other out of character, it takes half damage from your shot. Boo. <laughs> Cass. Hmm. All of her spells are so noisy. Like weather temper tantrums. Yeah, her, her attack spell's also really close range. She's going to hold her action. Wait for it to close. Excellent. Which is going to bring us to Helena. She's going to try poison spray. So she steps up to the doorway and spews poison at it and steps back. Creature attempts a con saving throw. It succeeds and takes no damage. That is going to take us to the monster. The monster raises its two hands towards you. And blood starts to evaporate just off of your arms and flow towards this creature. That bastard. 
we're going to have it affect Helena, who stepped forward. So Helena is going to roll a con saving throw. And Helena gets a five. Oof. No. So Helena is going to take 4d8 damage as her blood leaves her body and flies to this creature. So Helena is on the receiving end of 25 damage. Oh, holy Uh shit. And this creature appears to heal right up fast. Fucking damn it. Meaning it has only taken holy water damage at this point. Sable. I'm going to moonbeam this motherfucker. I'm going to kind of push people back to get them away from this thing, since it seems to be like attacking the people in front. All right. It's going to roll. Is it con? Constitution saving throw. So it fails its saving throw against the moonbeam. And gets 10 points of damage for it. Takes all of that. Um, nom, 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 nom. And that's going to bring us to Silpha. Silpha has never seen a better opportunity to use necromancy cantrip chill touch. Mm-hmm. Oh, I crit. Yay! Nice. Yay! Yes. So a skeletal hand goes, it goes, <laughs> it is undead, so it will take full damage. It is the double bitch slap. I'm going to give you the regular and the bitch. So... <laughs> Precisely. So you I get to roll 4d8. <laughs> That's nice. 19. Oh, yeah. Excellent. And it cannot heal. Ow. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Until my next turn. What is the damage type on it, which will determine if it takes full damage or not? It is necromantic, I believe. It's going to take half from the necrotic, but it can't heal, which is super fucking terrible which for me. Which is huge. Yeah, terrible for you. <laughs> for My you. poor monster, why are you beating him up? Are we beating up your baby? Oh, I made him custom for this. He's gross. Yeah, he is. He's fucking gross. Jessica's turn. Uh, I'm guessing the 10 doesn't do it, but the 18 might. The 18 will, the 10 will miss. Seven damage. Okay, it's going to take half of that. Jerk. Yeah. And that's going to bring us back to the top with Jalen. All right, she's going to shoot it two more times. You do not have sneak attack because there's no one in melee with it. I know, and I don't get advantage. No. Yeah. All right, 19 and 12. Uh, one hit, one miss. Seven damage. Okay, it's going to take half of that. And Cass. Well, Cass has a temper, and this is frustrating. So I think Cass charges it. Leaps into the room, lands on the tiles, and rolls with her left claw and her right claw. Huge rolling thunder and electricity rock through this thing as she goes to town. And she will miss once and hit once to do 1d4 plus 2d6. And... Well, thir- and it can't heal. Helena casts heal on herself, because ow. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's not cool. Oh, Helena rolls a one. Oh, Helena. It's her first day back. (laughs) She heals herself for four. She's been in ice for nine years or something. Nine months. Oh, nine months. Right. Does that make her an ice, ice baby? (laughs) Ice, ice baby. Creature can't heal. As a result, it it doesn't use its call. So it it kind of reaches its arms towards you, and your blood does not come to it. And so what it's going to do instead is just punch Cass. 
It attempts to punch Cass. It rolls a two for a mighty nine, which will not hit her, even on a good day. So that is its turn. And damn it, Julie, why did you take away my healing powers? <laughs> Sable. Moonbeam. Did we do Moonbeam on the start of his turn, too? Nope. So when it activated, it fails its saving throw. So do your Moonbeam damage. Ooh, that was good. That was a 12. Takes all that Moonbeam damage. Nice. So your Moonbeam, Sable, won't do damage on your turn. Oh. Because it right. isn't entering it again for the first time. Oh, right. It's just concentration. So, so I could do other yeah. things. Yep. You can do anything that's not a concentration spell. Like you could do poison spray again. Yeah, I'll poison spray it. Okay. It's going to roll a con save. Yep. It will fail and take your damage. <laughs> D12. <laughs> ah! One. Aww. You get two D12 because you're, you're over level five. Oh. Six. Six. Okay. It's going to take half damage from that. Well, I don't care. It hurt it. Silva, please don't chill touch me again. I will chill touch it Damn again. It. I will take that skeletal hand. We call this the death boop, right? Uh. The death boop. Yes. <laughs> She's going to say, your efforts are in vain. Oh. <laughs> 18. That'll hit. You're going to make him cry, Julie. (laughs) How am I supposed to gross you all out if you turn off all my cool blood powers? Fuck off, Shark Week. (laughs) I guess it'll take three damage because it takes half, you said, right? Yeah, it takes half. But again, it cannot heal, which is effectively like doing 15 to 20 damage a turn. Silva's like, my dabbling in necromancy has finally paid off. Oh, it's paid off. It paid off with the Frost Giant. And Jessica... (laughs) All right, Jessica's going to shoot it a couple more times. 16 and 11. 16, 16 hits. hits, right? Uh, for seven. Jalen. Jalen's going to shoot it two more times with the crossbow. Okay. Cass is in melee, so you do get sneak attack. Uh, oh, good. Excellent. That is a 22 and a 21. Both hit. All right, so the first one does... 19. Okay. And the second one does 7. Got it. Gross. Cass is going to continue wailing on this thing with lightning fists. She will miss once and hit once and do a mighty 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, and it will take the full damage. And that is going to bring us to Helena. Helena heals herself. Imagine that. That first wallop was vicious. Yeah, man. 25 and one blow. The blood creature is not looking good. Like, there's blood splattered all over the walls. It's going to roll to... Oh, man. It rolled a one. (laughs) And and it takes moonbeam damage, right? And it takes moonbeam damage. Ooh! 19! (laughs) Almost max damage. (laughs) Yeah. Dang it. Is it dead okay. yet? No, it's hanging on by a couple of bloody threads. By a vein? Capillaries. <laughs> Sable, it is your turn. A <laughs> couple of bloody threads. You know, I'm going to like continue to poison spray the thing. I'm close enough okay. to it. It's going to roll a con save. It fails. How do you kill this thing? So I aim for whatever looks like its head. 
and spray poison that direction and watch it collapse to the ground. All right. It collapses and you see the blood kind of flow back into the grout and you get the impression might only be temporarily dead. Yeah, it may come Mm. back. All right, I'm going to hold that moonbeam while we cross that room. So the radiant damage from the moonbeam is doing possibly permanent damage. Everywhere where it hits this thing, it sort of dries the blood up. Okay. I only get one minute, but I can cover these. You can sweep a lot of floor with one minute. I'm sure going to do that while somebody else works on the door on the other side. So while you're sweeping the floor with moonbeam, which does seem to be working, it's very possible this thing is not going to get back up now. Mm-hmm. The other door is a big stone slab that is dropped down. It doesn't have hinges or anything. So it's, apparently it would lift back up into the ceiling to open. It is super heavy, and it appears to have no mechanism. No mechanism. Like, so it's just brute strength to get this up. Yep. Or, or levitate. Levitate can only lift so much, too. But Yeah, yeah, yeah. Levitate can lift several hundred pounds. I could also use stone shape. Levitate can lift 500 pounds. Yep. There you go. Levitate it is. That is my my last second level spell slot of the day. So Silpha levitates the door up. Okay. The door rolls up. Inside the room is fairly small. There is one metal lever jutting out of the wall. And there is a stone sarcophagus with a stone lid in the middle of the room. A tree branch... Uh, rather, a root, has shattered through the ceiling, shattered through the top of the stone sarcophagus, and is buried into the middle of this thing. The stone has clearly exploded with the impact, so this did not slowly grow into this space. Oh, like the tree, it looks like it was like a... Attacked. Okay. The tree root itself has a dark red pulsing vein look to it. Oh, you poor tree, I say. And Jalen says, I could try to cut the root that's going into the sarcophagus, but it might just send down another one. Well, what's in the sarcophagus? So when you get up there, shattered stone bits are lying all over what appears to be a wooden box that was inside of it. And the wooden box is shattered and you can't really, like you'll have to pull stone and wood back to see what it's in there. Well, I'm gonna. Carefully. You start kind of carefully pulling it apart. Inside is a person. They are wearing regal clothing. Pierced through their chest with a little bit of blood around the rim is a tree root. And otherwise they look almost exactly like Byron Mason, only very pale. Mm. Unconscious? I mean, they look like a corpse. Like a fresh corpse, but a corpse. Not as desiccated as the other ones. It's basically like feeding the tree. This one is not as desiccated as the other ones. It appears to still have lots of blood in it. Can I get to its head? Yeah, take its head off. Eventually, if you kind of pull things up, you can get to its head. I am going to get my holy water ready. Jalen draws Fairybane and cuts off its head. There is a loud screaming noise that seems not to come from the mouth, but from the whole body itself. And the body immediately turns into ash and dusts across the inside of the coffin. (laughs) See, that's unnatural. Leaving just a tree root stabbed so hard it is essentially into the stone of the bottom part of the sarcophagus. Should we 
pour holy water on the ashes? Can't like, hurt. I mean, like, okay, like <laughs> yeah. let's be thorough. I said can't hurt and poured it on. <laughs> what happens to the root? The root is still right there. The body just fell away from it. It still looks bad. And it's still pulsing and... The pulsing has stopped. Okay. Can we cut it off? Cut off as much of it as we can see? Yeah. I mean, you can cut it off at the ceiling. It's big. It's, you know, it's, it's almost a foot thick. Thousand-year-old root. You could roll me knowledge nature if you would like to gain more information. Fifteen. A fifteen tells you that you have probably cut off the source of the necrotic energy. Mm-hmm. And now the tree just needs a lot of time to heal. Yeah, it's not going to make any difference if we cut off the root now. Probably not. I mean, it's supernatural. You don't know how much time it would take, but a while. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the only thing I could think of to heal it would be to use plant growth on it. What if we let it drink some holy water? Could we hold some holy water up at the root tip? and That might be just as likely to damage it as to help. Anyway, I'm going to touch the root, and I'm going to cast plant growth. A year of healing happens. The root looks normal. It looks healthy. Okay. No other effect happens underground. Yeah. I, I pat the root and basically say, there you go, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully that will help. Just a little. Are there any other rooms off this one? Or is that it? That's it. I think we've done what we can. Yeah. We should um head back up. Well, Jalen looks at Silpha and says, when we get back to town at some point, we should look up Mason portraits and maybe try to figure out who this was. He looked like Byron. The family resemblance was striking. I imagine this was the Lord Mason for generations, no matter how he styled himself. Mm -hmm. I hope maybe that what we've done here will lay to rest some of the animosity that the Fairy Queen has for the Mason family, and hopefully it has done a good thing for the living Mason family as well. Mm -hmm. I want to see if we can talk to Tree now. Can we go back up? You want to go up above? We, we might still have blights to deal with. Well, we don't have to step outside. Okay. I'm going to hurry back if we can. Okay. But on the way up, she's going to say, Sable, if you get to see this Whistles guy again, you might make sure he knows to take the news to the queen that we did all this. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I suspect I will see him again. All right. So when we get back up, you know, I'm immediately going to go to the door. And if it's not cracked open, I will crack it open. And I will say, tree! When you crack it open, you notice an immediate difference. The thorns are now nine foot tall and healthy. Okay. Well, great. Blight? Are the blights still out there? You don't see any. What, what does the tree look like? Can I see? Like, through the thorn wall, you can see it towering above things. It looks like a willow again. I'll say, tree, can you hear me? And there's a loud groan. Yes. Are you feeling better? I just want to point out the really giddy yeah. grin that Sandra <laughs> just got on her face. <laughs> she was really happy. Well, that's what that's what Sable looks like. She is just so, she's over the moon happy about this. I feel much better. Although, this one does not look good at all. This one? This one what? What do you mean by this one? This creature that was inside of me. It is sick. The dryad? Hmm. It does not look like any dryad I have seen before. Oh, it's waking up. I say in common, if there is something out there besides the tree that understands me, please name yourself. 
I try it again in Sylvan. So everybody's passive perceptions. 14. 13. 14. Oh, it rolls a natural one on its mighty, mighty stealth. You hear a blood-curling scream as something jumps up and then starts slamming its way through the thorns, running through the cemetery aimlessly in the nine-foot thorn wall. You momentarily glimpse a woman made of thorns, maybe? Okay, so it's not running towards us. No, it is running by you. Okay. It's screaming? Yes. Fuck! Jalen's got her crossbow out. She's tracking it. She looks at Sable. Selfa will try something. It's a creature. She will cast sleep. Okay. It immediately collapses. It has very few hit points at the moment. All right. Can I see it? Can I roll a nature to get any idea? It fell down in the thorns wall. You're going to have to get to it. How long will it be asleep, I ask? Perhaps a minute. Go quickly. I can do it a couple more times, but that is all. I look at Helena and Cass and say, you can come with me. Cass, who has never been able to walk through thorns, looks horrified at the prospect, but Helena goes to just walk in. I'm diving in, so... Yeah. Cass does not follow, I don't think. She she nearly died in the thorns at least once already. Yeah. Gonna take some convincing. <laughs> but you and Helena can dive in, and you get up to this creature. It is a woman who has appears to have wooden skin, okay. leafy hair, only unlike the last dryad you saw, she is covered in thorny spines. Okay. Just like protruding from her in all directions. It's the mid-roll, and that means it's time for Fairy Facts. Today is brought to you by the Kobold. Kobolds are German fairies that are much like the goblins of Cornwall. They're usually depicted as human-like and the size of a small child, but they can often turn into animals, fire, or candles. At times, they look like old men, but some stories describe them as ugly children. They're usually invisible, like most fairies. Kobolds are split generally into three categories— Ship kobolds, mine kobolds, and house kobolds. House kobolds are generally helpful with chores, finishing things up after people go to bed. However, if not properly fed, they hide things. If you're unlucky, it'll be your tools. If you're lucky, though, sometimes it's grain or even some gold. Mine kobolds are generally evil and cause accidents and cave-ins. They live in the rocks and work them as only experts could, and if disturbed, they lose their temper. They have been known to trick miners into taking worthless ore by mistake, or even putting poison ore into the mines. Ship kobolds are almost exclusively benevolent, working constantly to keep the boat afloat, though occasionally tangling up rope. But if you see one, it's a death omen, and you are the next to die. So, how do you deal with kobolds? Step 1. Feed them by leaving food behind on your plate whenever you eat. Step 2. Don't try to trick them into revealing themselves, and don't go looking for them. It can turn out very bad for you. All right, let's get back to it. Does she does she look to be a dryad? With the exception of the thorny spines, yes. Yeah, okay. So she is like fucked up in some way. I don't what do you do for a fucked up dryad? I say to <laughs> Helena. Helena gives you a look like oh, I, I don't I don't know. Is she dangerous? Maybe. I am going to 
do the one thing that I can here, which is the lesser restoration and see what happens with the, I am prepping myself ahead of time just to. She remains asleep, but it's suddenly a lot less fitful. Okay. But no less than the thorns or anything else. No. Okay. Um, should we bring her back, Helena? Uh, I mean, her skin is very likely to puncture you. I don't know that that's the safest thing. I guess we could, I mean, we could get your bedroll and like, Yeah. I don't know, wrap her in it like an oven mitt and. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't. <sighs> Tree. Yes. Is this thing evil? It violated my personal space with disastrous consequences. It was probably the power behind getting the root to go down into the sarcophagus, maybe. Mm. Do you want it saved? I do not care. Damn it. Well, I mean, the thing's going to start waking up at this point, I'm sure. Because it, it lasts it's a minute. It's been about a minute. I don't know. How tired would you be if you had been trapped in a tree, tortured with vampire blood for years? I'm probably a little sleepy. Yeah, you might be asleep for a little while. Yeah, I think it's still asleep for a little while. Okay. Okay, I'm going to leave it. There's no nothing attacking it, right? No, unless you do. All right. Is there any place that we can grab onto this person and drag them? You can roll me sleight of hand. <laughs> Actually, that's not terrible. I should say the thorns on this woman are massive, too. Like, they are giant, super sharp. You could grab her, grab her by two of the thorns and... I'm going to look that over and go, mm, Yeah, I can't do that. No. All right, I'm going to leave her. Is she close? Is she close enough? Because we got to her pretty quick, right? I mean, she ran by you, so she was only, like, 15 feet from the door. Okay. Do you have your pack? I do. You could tie a rope around her. You could put one of the pack loops like around her arm and kind of pull her toward drag that, yeah. her a little bit yeah i mean that'll definitely wake her up yeah i'm just afraid she's crazy cannot confirm nor deny this theory yeah i'm not gonna drag her i'm a little bit worried about that happening so she's 15 feet that's not far yeah i can you know our voices will carry to her i'm gonna suggest one more thing too. okay you do have a giant metal robot yep i with know stone armor yep who is definitely strong enough yeah. I'm just afraid that that would definitely wake her up. <laughs> if you call out, Silpha would respond and ask if you needed help. She's still unconscious, very dangerous, just by the nature of her skin. And I can't tell if she was once a dryad. Shall I have Muriel assist you? Can Muriel hold her if she goes crazy? I most certainly can. Uh, she might go nuts and try to attack you. You see Muriel slam her gigantic scythe into the ground and walk forward. And of course, she's very loud. Mm -hmm. And the woman does start to stir, but Muriel is there mm -hmm. and picks her up. And the woman wakes up, you know, flails a little bit and then realizes she's being carried by a giant metal and stone monster and then freezes. And I will say, in Sylvan, do you understand me? She sort of nods in a kind of panicked, small motions way. And Hope kind of says, no, no, it'll be okay. Are Aww. you a dryad? She nods. 
What happened to you? She looks left. She looks right. She shakes her head no. And Hope says, let's get her inside. Okay. Ooh, we don't know if we, sh- we can take her into the crypt. If the door's closed, she definitely won't get it open. That's right. If we just keep the door open, she'll be all right. Jalen looks like goes, God, what the hell? So Muriel will turn without further direction and just start walking to the crypt. And she, as gingerly as a giant robot can, sets this woman down on her feet in the doorway. And she looks some, um, like, frightened rabbit. Mm-hmm. I'll be there next to her and say, go on. We're not going to hurt you. Go ahead and roll me persuasion. Persuasion? Really? Yeah. Charisma? You're pretty, you're pretty good at that, right? I need to calm her down a little better. This, is, this might not go well. 21. Okay. Nice. She nods her head slowly and steps in. and It's a little uncomfortable for her, I'm sure. She tries to sit down, and you can tell from the way she sits down, she is not used to having gigantic thorns sprouting out of every inch of her body. Yeah. She tries to sit. It does not go well. She stands back up. She looks over her skin, tries to sit down again, stands back up. I don't know how to help you. She says, maybe it's best if you don't. What did you do? Uh, I'm not comfortable telling you. Are you being punished? Yes. By the very nature of existence. Well, that's a little dramatic. Have you ever broken a fairy deal? No. The world is a dramatic place when you break a deal. You broke a deal. Yes. There were Fae of the Winter Court looking for you. And that is why I should probably go. And you should probably not help me. Wait. But if if you you broke a deal, perhaps there was a reason for it? I was made to do it. I was commanded to do it, and I made a poor deal and could not turn down that command, and it broke another deal. So then you were manipulated by someone else to break another promise? I guess. Uh, The deal I broke was much bigger than me. Are you of the wilds? I was. Now I suspect I am courtless. Was it the lady? She gives you just a look. You get no verbal answer. Do you have a name? I'm afraid I will not give you my real name. Yeah, I give a little nod, like, "Mm." Yeah, that's not a thing that they give lightly. Is there a name we can call you? I have never given a mortal my name, or even a fake name. You may decide whatever you wish to call me. We'll call you Spike. (laughs) Perhaps not the most flattering name, but I'll... Accept it? I was going to say, we'll call you Hawthorne. That's prettier. Hawthorne it is. Hawthorne Spike. I guess I can have a first and a last name. (laughs) I'll say, have you been lonely? No, I have been mad. It is not lonely. It is something else. Something much darker. Well, we resolved... We think what happened with the tree here, and I think it's fair to say you've probably been punished enough. She looks at her skin and says, this is probably permanent. I say, I don't don't know if we have the power to change nature. I, I could try to help you. 
but I need a rest. I guess I'm not going anywhere as long as those Winter Court Fairy don't come back. Would you like to meet someone who would like to hear your story? I don't really feel much like talking, but I'm willing to wait here if you can help. It's all right. He'd talk plenty for both of you. And at least you wouldn't be alone. I don't know if this is a good idea. The more of you that know what I did, the more danger I am in. You, you don't tell him. We won't tell him. I'm sure he has plenty of stories. And seems to be hungry to speak. I think I'm good here. All right. We know someone who lost a friend who could use a new one. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was trying to do. <laughs> she could bring him food. She's all pokey. <laughs> she could easily find food. She just comes by with a bunch of mice speared on her arms. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Be here, like, just get whatever you want. Yeah, here, Lefty's got a rat. You will have to roll persuasion if you would like to get her to the other mausoleum. She is spooked. I'll give it a shot and fail. Because I don't think a nine's going to get her there. No, I think that conversation is pretty much exactly the one we had. Yep. Jalen doesn't want to convince her because she just wants to put a stake through Guire's heart. She says, do you need anything to sustain you? Do you eat? Drink? I need to get back to my tree. My real tree. If it still lives. Where was it? She lifts her head to the air. That way. It still lives. And she points... Southeast, much deeper than Thorns, not towards anything of note. Are you safe on your travel? I, I don't, I don't know. If if winter finds me, I, I may not be safe anywhere. What would happen to you? I mean, what would they do? Unmake me. I am untrustworthy, and I violated the Tricourt Pact that ensures neutrality to the trees that serve as your memory. Yes, but someone else made you act as you did. Forced it. And. They are not being held accountable. As much as I would like to hold them accountable, I don't have that kind of power. Maybe you don't, but if it came to the attention of others who did, perhaps we could help you. I'm dead if things don't go well, and I'm a dryad, so I'm forever tied to a single place. It will be very hard to hide. So I guess whatever plan you come up with, I'll support. I think it'll take us a bit of time. Is there such a thing as fairy court asylum? There is, but I violated all three major fairy courts. There will be no asylum for me. But again, at the direction of someone else. I don't think your father would turn her away. I don't know that the direction matters. The forces of nature have found and punished me. I am guilty. She looks around towards the door and says, And these thorns, perhaps this cemetery is blighted forever. It is not just this cemetery. These thorns extend around our entire kingdom and have been a curse on this land for generations. Her eyes widen a great deal, and she says, That cannot be a bane from my action. My action was too small. Could it have been a catalyst? If perhaps someone who ordered me to do something violated their agreement, in doing so, perhaps... 
Are you willing to come back with us? Give us time to learn. I can't live separate from a tree for more than a few days. Well, we're heading the direction you seem to want to go. And there are plenty of trees. I need my tree. Or perhaps the one I was imprisoned in could suffice for a time. But I can only truly live in my tree. Well, we could take her back. Then we'd know where it is. We know where we can speak to her. If she wants us to know where it is, and if she wants us to be able to speak to her, I mean... If I can get to a nearby big tree, I can go directly there myself. Well, there is a nearby tree. Right here. Just a normal tree, untouched by fairy magic. And then I can get home to my tree. Well, we can make that happen. If anybody sees me like this, they'll know. They'll know immediately. I'll... I will try to help you. Have we been resting long enough for Sylpha to recover some spell slots? You'll need to hang out for another 45 minutes or so, but like we can jump forward in time for you to get your arcane recovery. So yeah, I will recover a third level spell slot for her. Okay. And you're going to remove Curse? Yes. This will be fascinating for me to watch because I want to know if that's what's going on. If what happens here are actual curses or if there's something different. Sylpha will bring her towards the center of where there's space enough, and she will say, I don't want to get your hopes up. I don't know if this will work, but I will try. And she holds out her hand for the dryad to, like, place her hand over her palm, even if it's thorny. She will do that and try not to stab you, but we will make sure she doesn't... She's going to roll her a little sleight of hand. Uh, no, she pokes you pretty good. You take... Yeah, just one damage. Sylpha's okay with that. She she just flinches a little, but she, she holds onto her hand. The Dryad's resting her hand in Sylpha's extended palm. Sylpha reaches a, a hand towards the sky, then places it on her heart as she says a word, and this golden glow emanates from Sylpha's palm. The thorns that are jutting out of her in all directions immediately wither and die and just fall off as sort of plant matter. Wow leaving a, a beautiful woman. Wow. Wooden bark skin and long vegetation for hair. And she says, thank, thank you. I feel so much, so much better. Jalen and Sable are both just like, wow. And I, I think there's something probably a little bit emotional seeing that happen. Mm -hmm. I mean, just to see, just to be able to see somebody just lift a curse that, you know, the whole kingdom is dealing with a curse after of some form or another. So, like, I, I think there's something probably a little profound yeah. <laughs> about watching yeah. that happen. I think Helena's face is completely unmoving. Jessica is sort of squint-eyed and staring intently, like, she can't tell if something good or bad happened. And, you know, Cass has, like, big tears rolling down both sides of her face. My god. Damn, Sylpha. Sylpha says, you, You've gone through enough. You should return to your tree. And if you were to show us where it was, perhaps we could visit you. I can come to you if you tell me... Tell me a tree. Tell me about a tree. Sylpha will describe the tree in Korra's meditation space and say, If you come to this tree on the Lunari estate, you can mention my name. She says, I will 
I will find it. It may take me a day or two, but I will find it. And she stands up and looks at the giant robot in the doorway, and the giant robot sort of sidesteps and says, Now, didn't that work out wonderfully? And the the wooden creature very nervously walks by the giant robot and then turns and darts into the thorns. And Jalen waves and goes, Good luck, Spike! <laughs> <laughs> What do we want to do about, and she nods towards the mason crypt. Can we not just leave him? I mean, it might be crueler. He can't go into the thorns, and nobody else knows he's here. We could leave him with food. You want to summon something we can kill? I'm not sure that conjuration spells would be effective for that, but I do still have bait. We could bring something to the area and leave him with food. It would be better than leaving him hungry. Jalen kind of shrugs and says, I guess we could open up that sarcophagus trapdoor for him, and he could go down and check out the crypt if he wants. I mean, there's nothing down there for him anymore. Hmm. Save the remnants of traps. Do we really want to leave him as he is? Well, he can't follow us in the daylight, so I'm not worried about that. But, yeah, we are talking about leaving him here alone, which he doesn't want. Or we could stake him through the heart and put him to sleep until we can get back. I mean, we could leave it up to him. We could ask him. I agree with Cass that since he didn't have a choice in deciding to become undead, he should have a choice in what happens to him, perhaps. I worry that even though he states he has no intention of creating more of himself, that there are others who could provide him with what he needs and would attempt to regain their base of power through everything we discovered in the Mason basement. I think his potential of being used as a pawn is strong, yes. I also think as much as he might want to control his nature, he may not be capable of doing so. Agreed. I agree in this. Silpha kind of turns eyes to Cass to like give her context of the situation and says... We discovered that the Mason line was once vampires and dark wizards. Once? I mean, there was still one down there. We just took his head off. What I meant was, at the height of House Mason's power, they were run by a line of vampires. And they were responsible for mass slaughters of people. I believe that most of the current generation of Masons are blameless, ignorant of their history and wouldn't want this, but there are other members of that household that I think if they do not have other means to establish their power, would be perfectly fine in attempting to bring back old ways. Lady Mason in particular seems power hungry. Jalen nods. Helena chimes in and says, this is a volatile situation and we can make it go away before anyone even knew it was volatile. And Cass says, I think if you replace the word vampire with human, you've just described everyone in the kingdom. I also think he is an excellent source of information about this world pre-thorns, which we might need. I mean, so were all the ones below, but they were just already inert, so we went ahead and did them in. If we had found him inert, would we have just done him in? I mean, is it just because he's awake and talking that you have a misgiving about this? We know he has not harmed anyone. Helena says, I mean... He says he hasn't harmed He anyone. says he hasn't harmed anyone. I still think the situation's too volatile. And Jalen says, I don't implicitly trust someone who knows he's at a disadvantage and is playing very friendly 
with us to erase that disadvantage. I don't I don't trust him. I don't necessarily think he's playing friendly. I think he's sincerely desperately lonely. I mean, it's an intelligent creature. I think he's taking us for a ride. Okay, fine. We'll go ask him, I say, and start to move toward the door. Jalen shrugs and heads that way, too. We will head towards the Mason Crypt. Muriel cuts your path to the Mason Crypt. doesn't take long. There's nothing in the way. I don't really wait for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, Helena and I are probably headed there before anyone else. And Cass, too, if she'll come. Cass is not going into the thorns. Cass, yet. you are now immune. Yeah, that's cool. I'm just going to, like, take it the slow way, because... Reasons. And she just stares at the thorns, like, you can you can see the panic on her face. Yeah. All right, well, Helena and I will be over there first, then. So you step into the mausoleum, and you see Guire has the copper offal, and Ozio is sort of holding it, and he's reading it out loud. Mm. And after every paragraph, he stops, and then they start to discuss and dissect the paragraph. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Ozio seems like mostly like she's keeping him busy, and Eolamis has now gotten really deeply insightful. You imagine all this needs is a whole lot of pot, and like this would be <laughs> the pinnacle experience for you and me. <laughs> Alrighty then. I'll wait for them to like have a break in their conversation. Was the door open? Yes. This this mausoleum's door has never been closed. Then I'll wait for them to have a break in the conversation and then clear my throat. Choir says, Oh, come in, come in, come in. You're gonna love this next part. Mm, that that bit about the rippling chest muscles, that is one of my favorite descriptions. <laughs> like inside a burlap sack. <laughs> <laughs> His chest was like weasels fighting in a fighting sack. inside of a burlap sack. <laughs> Jesus. Have you gotten to the part about the mason hammer? <laughs> I'll say, I'm sure under other circumstances I would, Guire, but we have more pressing concerns. Can we take a pause? I, yes, of course. I mean, we, we have all the time in the world now that we're best friends. And Guire stands up and... Ozio puts the book down and lets out like a big sigh. Elamis says, ah, yes. Well, he stands up and says, I do believe the reason we are here has been rescinded. So I think it's time for us to go. Ozio, any any objections? Uh, we'll leave these fine folks. I'll say to Guire, you need to know that there are no vampires below. There is no blood for you. Well, that's too bad, but as I said, I guess earlier, my, my good, my backup plan, uh, all I need is a, a scribe to do my writing for me, and uh, if you could get me back to town, oh, I would love to host parties again. You are still a vampire, and there are some things that you need to understand about that. The first is, you have a nature. It is different from what you were when you were human, and though you think you might be able to control it, you might be wrong. We have to take that into consideration. Well... Before you speak... Okay. The other thing that you need to understand is that what you are is what the entire Mason line based its power on for quite some time. Those who exist now are not tied to it, but they might want it, which means you are prime to be a pawn in their game rather than a member of their family. Hmm. 
Sofa nods in agreement and adds, It is unfortunate, but since the rise of the thorns, your your family has lost a great deal of their power. Okay, well, I mean, all I'm hearing is for the reasons why they need me. And they are, how shall I put this, persecuted by an entity that seems to have had an historical conflict with the Mason line? The Fairy Queen. She is warring right now with your house. Your very existence is a threat to the living members of your family. If, if the Fairy Queen is at war with my household, I, I have a duty, I have an obligation to return to them. You can do nothing for them right now. You are undead, armless, and still quite new to your nature. You are as much a threat as anything else, and I would hate to see you become a subject of blood experiments to try to create a new line of Mason vampires. And your presence in the kingdom is only going to exacerbate the Fairy Queen's wrath. I'm, I'm afraid this is all true. He looks up and says, Eolamis, you understand, side with me. And Eolamis says, if the Fairy Queen finds out you're here, I won't side with you at all. She pays me. And he says, well, that, that's ungentlemanly. We had just had a wonderful night together. I told you all of my stories. Surely you have more to say than that. And he says, I don't dislike you, but I have my own duty. And if you conflict with it, I'm afraid that's it. And Guire looks kind of flustered. And he says, w I mean, no offense. You, you're all quite young. I mean, w you could be reading the situation incorrectly. Sir Guire, we can attempt to find a resolution. One that would be amiable. That would continue your existence somehow that would be safe for you and safe for Fenrir. It does require us leaving you here for now. We could leave you with a supply, or we could leave you inert. We wanted you to have a, a choice in the matter, since you weren't given a choice to become what you are. There, well, I'm a wizard, and there are ways to restore you, but unfortunately, well, I imagine, unfortunately, from your perspective, they involve you being actually dead, rather than as you are now. Well, clearly the, the hospitality rules have changed. <laughs> and he, he kind of looks around the room and says, If you're all in agreement, I don't see that I have much choice. Fine. Just leave. Somebody else will be along eventually. Do you want us to bring you food? Before we go? Or do you want us to leave you inert? If those are the choices, food would be preferable. We can open the way below if you like, if you want more space. That would also be preferable. There are traps down there. Yes, well, I've had my fair share of those. I guess I'll get an extra staircase or something. It's worth it. Nate, if I turn into a wolf, how long would it take me to come back with, I don't know, three rabbit-sized things? Roll me survival. Oh, well, that's a 17 plus at least a 7. Yeah, 20 minutes. Yeah. Nothing's been hunting out here for years. This place is great. Uh, you come back with <laughs> giant, plump rabbits with all sorts of weird mutations. Yeah, while they're continuing this conversation, I just shift into a wolf, head out into the thorns, and eventually bring in three plump rabbits one at a time. 
with probably blood all over my mouth from getting them mm -hmm. and bring them in and then basically stay a wolf. <laughs> okay. Probably just sit there and clean up. Clean your mouth. <laughs> yeah, clean my mouth and my paws. As Sable leaves, Guire sort of looks at you all expectedly. And Helena says, you know, this is actually a really good compromise. I was all for killing you. And Guire says, well, thank you. Where the fuck did you come from and who are you? And she says, Helena, champion of House Barathe. And he says, ah, well, good that you came and joined the bandwagon. So nice to see that humans can move through the thorns again. And you, he sort of nods at Cass. And Cass says, what about me? She says, well, I mean, are you in agreement? And she says, well, I'm outvoted, so it doesn't really matter. Guire kind of plops himself down on a, on a tomb, looking very defeated. And Jalen is leaning against one of the other sarcophagi with her arms crossed, and she says, there are no more needle blights, for what it's worth. We've taken care of the tree, and it's healed now. Hmm. So you don't have to worry about them. I guess Glindy would have been happy to see that. So, are we going to just wait for the wolf to come back, or are you going to open the door? Well, they were Sable's thorny braided hooky sticks, so she's the one who has to do that. I guess we could get Helena to do it. Helena would be able to. Yep. Yeah. If the hooky sticks are still in there, Jalen will show her which holes to, to put them yeah. in. And... Helena can walk over and like just grab them and sort of pull. You hear a loud kachunk, and all throughout the stone crypt, you hear sort of a rolling of stone. And one of the back sarcophagi that made that line this long hallway of a mausoleum just pops straight up open, like on a hinge. And you hear a, a sort of seeping noise, kind of like gas escaping. And out of a rat-sized hole in the wall shoots a heavy mist that just pours out of it onto the floor. And solidifying onto the floor is a corpse. It looks... <laughs> Fuck! Juicier than the others. And we will wrap it up there. Special thanks to Todd Ferguson of My Pet Machine for our music and Julie at Elaborate Fight of Fancy for our logo. You can find them both on Facebook. If you would like to support what we do, just write us a review. We work for compliments. Shameless, really. Tune in next time to find out what happens with Guire what our heroes learn from the tree, and what dangers the thorns hold. Catch you on the flip side of Carrots and Suffering, a D&D Odyssey. Nine months, right? Um, and that is that make her an ice ice baby. baby. Oh. I think it was six months. She's a premature ice ice baby. <laughs> She's a preemie ice ice baby. <laughs>
That's going to be the name of this episode, right? Creamy ice ice baby. <laughs> That's going to be a little hard oh, to figure out. Oh, yeah, let's not do um, that. Door, and you have a strength of eight. Yeah, so. well, I know. My strength. My strength's not eight. <laughs> my strength is nine. My strength oh, is nine. <laughs> Never mind. You can bench press it. Ah, take that, blood bitch. This is like getting vengeance on your period. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, what's between these grout tiles is an animated... <laughs> take that, uterus. Take that, Ant Flow. Uterus monster. 